It's a pleasure to be up here today. All right, calm down. Calm down. All right. That's my uh, that's my cheerleading section. We actually have like professional cheerleaders over there too. Um, okay, I love you. Stop it. All right. Today, uh, God has, has placed a message for this church. I, I firmly believe it, and I'm just overwhelmed this week by uh, this message. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting on Chancey's back deck, having a good old dinner, enjoying the view of uh, the backyard on his ranch, and... Um, he was talking about this Ebenezer stone that was in his parents' backyard, and I was like, I don't know a lot about that. So I looked into it, and pff, wow, there's a lot there, a lot to unpack. And um, so today's message today is going to be about the Ebenezer stone. And I really believe that it applies to this church right now at this moment and I don't think it's a mistake that Chancey brought it up I don't think it's a mistake that God put it on my heart I just hope that the Lord speaks to you today not me I hope he gets to you today and that you hear him so what's an Ebenezer well it's this stone, these stones, I don't know if you guys can see this, but these stones, these aren't really stones, these are like bricks, but it's low budget. Okay, so bear with me. So, builds these stones up, calls it, it's, well, it's an altar to the Lord, and he calls it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. It says, up to this point, the Lord has helped us, and he's talking about the Israelites, it's funny because he's laying this same altar to the Lord in the same area where the Israelites faced their biggest defeat. So there's a small skirmish in 1 Samuel chapter 4. There's a small skirmish going around, and, and the Israelites get tossed around and lose 4,000 troops. First thing that comes out of their mouth is, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated? Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated? Okay. Do we have 1 Samuel 4, 3? I think I'll take that one. You got that one up there? Perfect. I've never, this, these are the things I never get at youth group, by the way. So, like, this is new for me. Man, Dwayne, you've got it made. This is, this is awesome. So, after that battle, where they lost 4,000 troops, they considered that a great defeat. Did they turn to the Lord? Let's see. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, surely they're going to say right here, let's turn to him. Let's see here. Then they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh, if we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. 
Did they call on the Lord? You, you can answer this how we do it in youth group. Okay, okay. They said, it will save us. Which is a little weird to me because like, I feel like I saw this in the Indiana Jones movie. But they were treating the Ark of the Covenant like a magical charm. They were, okay, but let's not act like we haven't seen this before. Religious artifacts. If I put this on my dashboard, I won't get in a wreck. If I wear this cross, God's got me. Putting power in things and materials. So they put, they put their faith in an object. They put their faith in this, this thing. They're literally, I'm going back to Indiana Jones. They're literally those Nazis who believed that like the Ark of the Covenant was going to help Hitler win the war for them. I don't know if you guys watched Indiana Jones, but like it didn't end well for them either, even though that's completely fiction. I'm not going to get into the, the details, but they took this religious artifact into their camp and they're hooting and hollering. They're like, boom, got it. Here it is. Can't, can't lose now. It's over. It's over. We, we, have got, we have the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the Philistines heard all the hooting and hollering and they got word that they had the Ark of the Covenant and they took it seriously. They're sitting there like, holy cow, they know about the God of Moses. They know what happened to the Egyptians. And just like any sports team ever with the underdog story, they knew they had to bring it. Otherwise, they were going to get whooped. Well, they brought it. And the Israelites had to pay. Thirty thousand paid. That's not all. Those Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant. Just took it. And they were putting so much faith in the Ark of the Covenant that you might as well have just took their backbone. So there's a messenger coming back. See, there's this high priest over Israel now called Eli, high priest and judge, and he's about to get a message. If we could roll that up there, that is 1 Samuel 4.12, we start. A man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that day. He had torn his clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. That's not a good sign, by the way, if you're waiting on a messenger. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle, for his heart trembled for the safety of the ark. Never mind he had two of his sons in battle. When the messenger arrived and told what had happened, the, an outcry resounded throughout the town. What is all this noise about, Eli asked. The messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. Whew. He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield. I was there this very day. What happened, my, what happened, my son? Eli demanded. Well, Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. The people have been slaughtered. Your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, 
were also killed, and the Ark of the Covenant has been captured. You'll notice something here if you look. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the Ark of the Covenant, Eli then fell backward from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died. For he was old and he was fat. He was also 98, so that probably didn't help. His, his bones were probably not doing too well at that point. He had been Israel's judge for 40 years. Oh, it gets a little worse. So Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, who had just died, was pregnant and near the end of her, t- or near the time of her delivery, when she heard that the ark of God had been captured, and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her: "Don't be afraid. You have a baby boy." But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She names the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Putting a lot of power in the ark of the covenant here. You sit here and you read the scripture, and first of all, can I just say, this is like well-written. I mean, the fallible word of God is awesome, so don't ever tell me it's boring. I mean, we have a 98-year-old blind high priest who falls over in his chair and breaks his neck because he's overweight. I mean, that is well-written, okay? I enjoy that, okay? Not that I enjoy hearing of someone's death. I'm just, I enjoy the well-written piece. So they had defeat. It doesn't get much worse than that. And we've all experienced defeat. Everybody in this room. I know I have. But why? Why did they, why did they, why did they face such a great defeat? Well, number one, they put their belief in the Ark of the Covenant now it's gone. Number two, they didn't seek the guidance of God for their victory in battle. They're wondering where he is. And they did it their way. If you're worried about the, real quick, if you're worried about the Ark of the Covenant, maybe you never heard this before and you didn't know the Ark of the Covenant was stolen, just know this, the Ark of the Covenant was fine, Okay. In the words of my brother, it's like a Ripley's Believe It or Not thing. So let's just say the Philistines tried to keep it, but everywhere they put it, their their false gods were like evaporating and falling to the ground around it, and people in the city were getting tumors and dying, and they tried to move from city to city until finally one city was like, you want to send that ark over here? No. We don't want that. That god. So they ended up sending it back. Okay, so don't worry about the Ark of the Covenant. But everybody else was, just let me die. It's because of their, their faith. <laughs> it was in the covenant. I don't know who gave it, who gave it to them. 
think the Lord, if the, the story doesn't end there, that'd be, be pretty rough. The story doesn't have to end there, thank God. So, <laughs> let's go, let's go 20 years later, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3, and uh, look at that, you guys already got it set up for me. Samuel, who is the judge, said to all the people of Israel, they just got their butts whipped and took that defeat for 20 years. It took them 20 years. Samuel said to all the people of Israel, I, I got to go back one sec. Sorry. These people took an L for 20 years. Sorry, I'll put it in the mic for the recording. They took this L for 20 years. Eli's gone. They're their leader, their their high priest, he's gone. They took an L for 20 years. If you're wondering what that means, that's youth group language for they, they took the loss for 20 years. And can I just, before we go into this part, which gets a little better, we don't have to wait 20 years in our defeat to get back up. So, 20 years later, Samuel said to all the people of Israel, if you want to return to the Lord with all your if you want to if you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. That would make sense. That would make sense that they were holding on to false gods the way they were holding on to that ark like it was a magical device instead of clinging to the Lord. If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth and turn your hearts to the Lord. Amen, Samuel. And obey him alone. Alone. You'll find out that what he just said coincides with what Jesus says on the most greatest commandment. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. Tell you what, they made a good choice right here. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Then Samuel told them, gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. Another good decision. They've, so they gathered at Mizpah, and in a great ceremony, drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. Before we move on, there are keys to victory. All of a sudden, 20 years ago, they're saying, it will save us. It will save us. Now the people of Israel are praying and seeking God and they're denying themselves and they're fasting. And they acknowledge their sin and repent of their sin. Let's go to seven. When the Philistine rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced 
just like they did when they found out that they were hooting and hollering because they had the Ark of the Covenant in their camp. This time, the Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Might it be because they're a little bit more humble and they know that the only way is if God intervenes. So what do they say? Don't stop pleading with the Lord, our God, to save us from the Philistines. They begged him. They begged Samuel. Don't stop pleading. So Samuel took a young lamb, this is Old Testament law, and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel. Lord answered him. Let's see if let's see what happens though. Let's see if they win this battle themselves. So just as Samuel was sacrificing a burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below Bethkar, slaughtering them along the way. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jesana. They named it Ebenezer. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, for he said up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. They denied themselves and fasted, and they acknowledged their sin and repented of their sin. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Proverbs 28.13. Don't hold on. That's what I'm getting at right here. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. It was the Lord who had the victory, and it was them who failed. It was them who failed. I look at every failure in my life, Every failure in my life, and it was me who failed. I look at every victory in my life, and it was God who delivered. I have nothing I deserve. Man, what I deserve is death. But man, when you ask the Lord, when you ask the Lord to move, That's that's when you that's when you see victory. I I've I've never won a battle in my life on my own. I'm like the 1990 Bengals. It was rough. Boy, you could write a scripture verse 
of defeat about the Cincinnati Bengals. That's that's yeah, they were bad. So that's me. That's me. But every time I call on the Lord, I know that He is undefeated. He's undefeated, not me. And I see our church in this moment. I see this moment of uncertainty, if I'm being honest. And people wonder why that Ebenezer was built. Why did he build that? So people wouldn't forget. Our church can't forget what the Lord has done in this church and our families. I think about how I deserve to lose my marriage but he healed it. I think about the people that he brings into this church. I don't even say a word to them. They just walk up, ask me how they can accept Jesus in their heart. I'm like, what is this? This isn't how this goes. God's already prepared their hearts. He's already won the victory. I'm over here like, this isn't how this works. I'm supposed to do something, right? Is a humility needed to walk in victory? I'm learning. <sighs> to know that he's got it. That I don't have to work my way out of it. I don't have to work my way to victory. I just need to pray and seek God deny myself, acknowledge my sin and repent from it. And he takes the rest. Because it's all for his glory. And when you understand that it's his victory and not yours, that's when he gets the glory. Every single time that he delivered, God's work has always led his people to worship. When Noah came out of the ark, first thing he did. He built an altar to the Lord and worshiped him. When Moses watched the Egyptians get swept up in the sea after the Israelites walked on dry land, he immediately led his people in worship and thanksgiving to God. After Joshua walked across the Jordan on dry land. They placed 12 stones along that river. Why? So that when the grandchildren would come by and say, hey, Grandpa, what do these 12 stones along the river mean? We took those from the bottom of the Jordan River because God stopped it so we could walk on dry land. Even so, Samuel built an altar to the Lord 
and Ebenezer, the stone of help, because up to this point, the Lord has helped. And we get caught up. We get caught up on like, oh man, what am I, what am I doing? What am I doing for the Lord? That is great. What, how can I do great things? How can I do great things? And it's like, let the Lord do great things. Trust in him, believe in him. Anything good that comes from us is the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I didn't I don't see that in my nature. We as a church do not exist to stand as a monument to how good we are and how so all the great things that we do. It's not what we're building our monument for. What a worthless monument that would be if I had one about that. Now, we as a church stand as a monument to God and his works, his grace, his salvation, his glory. He's undefeated. I think about monuments to Michael Jordan and and monuments to, let me get a Cleveland reference here, Bernie Kosar and, and, yeah, you got to go back and never mind. So I think about the monuments to them and how they delivered for a moment. How God's always delivered. Man. So I encourage us as a church, maybe this is a time of, of turmoil. I don't know, worship band, you guys can come up here. Maybe this is a time of, of uncertainty. Let's own it. But what we are certain of is that up to this moment, God has been with us. So as I question... What's your next move, Lord? I know you've always been with me. I ask you now personally, think of when times were an absolute mess. It might be now, but think in the past as well. Is there a stone that you can add to the Ebenezer for this church? Can we understand as a church that he's always been with you? He's always delivered. He's always been a firm foundation. Where does my help come from? John, where's your help come from? (laughs) Amen. Dwayne, where's your help come from? Gavin, where's your help come from? 
Chansey, where's your help come from? Ken, where's your help come from? No, where's your help come from? We've never been alone. God has been with us up to this point. He's not going to stop now. We can believe that. We can believe that. So as a church, let's raise an Ebenezer to the Lord. That through all the uncertainty, through all, through, through all man's error, through, through any downfall that we might have, he has been with us up to this point. And he will not stop now. God, may we never forget that our help comes from you. It's always come from you. And that we may fall, we may falter. But you will always be God. You will always be sovereign. Now you have us, you have this church, you have the church. We give you glory and honor and praise for what you've already done. And we also give you glory and honor and praise for what we know and believe that you will do. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great Sunday.